Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hour two. Sports Talk Saturday underway. Nick Erie, Corey Griswold hanging out with you. For uh, checking in with us, hour one, Joe Yerden joined the program just a few moments ago. Talk some Sabres. If you missed any of that, WGR550.com on-demand audio. Uh, we are connecting with my good buddy Matt Verderam here in just a few moments. Matt is, of course, a NFL uh, writer for Fansided and um, big Chiefs fan. We'll talk to him a little bit about Eric B. Enemy, by the way, who um, is now a Washington Commanders offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. So we'll get his thoughts on what that looks like. We'll start there and end where, you know, where this Kansas City Chiefs team continues to go as they are um, one of those teams right now that continue to be sort of the face of the NFL with the maybe the best quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, I think a lot of things that have been said over the last week or so since the end of the Super Bowl, which is, you know, people, a lot of people doubted Kansas City. That was the thing is a lot of people doubted Kansas City, didn't think that they would make the playoffs. And although... I had doubts about whether they would be as dominant as they were. You know, Andy Reid is a remarkably good head coach. He is as good as head coaches get. And I think about this where they are right now. They have the best head coach. They have the best quarterback. And everything else kind of doesn't matter because they have those things. Um, So I think for me, like, there's a lot that has been made of what, why the Bills fell short, what the Bills are doing, um, how they're going to try to beat the Chiefs, and it's all about beating the Chiefs. And then the Bengals come along, and now you're sitting there thinking, like, is, is, it, is it the Bengals now that you sort of have to worry about or build towards beating? Or is it still this Kansas City Chiefs team? And I think it's still, I mean, I think without a doubt, it's still the Kansas City Chiefs team. And I think it's in large part due to having Andy Reid and having such a great, great head coach. Um, and I think to sort of dismiss the fact that this team, for the better part of, what, five years, has really been the class of not just the AFC but the NFL at large, a lot of that has to do because they've got the best head coach in football and they've got the best quarterback in football. And a lot of other stuff doesn't matter. But when you look at this Chiefs team and like how they're sort of constructed, right, like I look at them and I say they're constructed in a way that maybe most teams would look at and say that's not the most sustainable model, right? Like, so on, on top of having the best coach and the best quarterback, they've got the best tight end. They might have one of the best offensive lines in football. They probably have the best center 
in football. And I keep thinking about this from the perspective of, do you want to be the team with a couple of guys that are the best at their position and then a team filled with kind of the rest? And that is what the Chiefs have been. I mean, defensively, they st- I think Denny called in, or maybe it, was, maybe it was Jerry earlier in the first segment of last hour, talking about how drafting is so important. And I think the Chiefs have really shown that. They have invested so much into their weapons. And yes, they lose Tyreek Hill, but they replaced Tyreek Hill with Sky Moore, second-round draft pick, with McCole, well, McCole Harbin was there, but MVS, right? Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who was the de facto, I guess, the number two receiver in Green Bay. Maybe. Maybe he's number two. Maybe he's number three. I don't know. Um, I think about it like this. That didn't stop them from going out and trading for Kadarius Toney midseason. And I know Kadarius Toney didn't, like, you know, <laughs> light the world. He had one catch for five yards and a touchdown. And maybe the game's most important play was that punt return. But it's the idea that a team that is that loaded at the receiver position, which loaded is a funny term for them because they lose Tyreek Hill. But they go out, they sign Juju Smith-Schuster, who I forgot to mention in the in the aspect of you lose one, you bring in four. I mean, that's what they did. They lost Tyreek Hill. They brought in four receivers. The Bills, they lost Emmanuel Sanders, which, come on, I mean, he is not Tyreek Hill. But you lose a receiver, and you went with Khalil Shakir, which probably, looking back, probably should have had a bigger impact in the regular season. Let's be honest. Khalil Shakir should have had a bigger impact, and he didn't. And that's it. Well, other than going out and signing Cole Beasley and John Brown in week 14 or whatever it was. Like, they just, they ignored one of the most important positions that all the good and all of the best teams have all dedicated a ton of resources to. The Bills haven't. The Bills have spent a long time dedicating resources to off to the defensive line, which they have not gotten any return on investment on. I like Greg Rousseau. I think he's a really good young player. Still a little raw. He was kind of invisible towards the end of the season. The last two years, he came out really strong, had a good start to the season, that he gets the ankle injury last year, and we never really get to see Rousseau and Von Miller together for all that much time. I think we probably would have seen a big season early on from Greg Rousseau if he was on the field at the same time Von Miller was. We just didn't get to see it a lot. And... Obviously, Ed Oliver has had mixed results. He's had mixed results at best. He's been really good at times, and he's been completely invisible at other times. He's in his fifth-year option this year. $11 million guaranteed for Ed Oliver. Daquan Jones is your best defensive lineman right now, not named Von Miller. So, I don't know what the Bills do, but I can tell you that that Chiefs defensive line, it's got one guy. Well, Frank Clark, good, but not great. But that Chiefs defensive line, They've got the third best defensive tackle in football in Chris Jones. Maybe he's the second best defensive tackle right behind Aaron Donald. But that's a, that is a roster that has a lot of the best. And the Bills have a roster that has some of the best. Josh Allen's one of the best. Stephon Diggs is one of the best. Von Miller still is one of the best. Micah Hyde, one of the best. Matt Milano, one of the best. Tredavious White, I don't know, used to be one of the best. I don't know if he is now. We'll see if he can come back this year and and look like the guy we saw prior to that knee injury. 
But the Bills and Chiefs are in very unique, in, in different positions because the Bills for the last couple of years have been this team that everyone has lauded, again, I, I said this to Corey, right, as the team with lots of depth. Well, you, you, you stop becoming or you stop being the team with lots of depth when you're paying a wide receiver $100 million, when you're paying a quarterback $200 million. And that's what the Bills are doing right now. And listen, it's not to say that they shouldn't have. I mean, Stephon Diggs deserved another contract. That much? I don't know. But the Bills did not invest enough in their weapons position, a position that the Chiefs maybe over-invested in. There were times, there were games where they did not use MVS. And he was making a decent amount of money for not to really not be used at all. Juju had some ups and downs this year. Spent some time injured. But he was a good pickup for them. He was kind of their de facto third option, maybe second option, outside of Travis Kelsey. And they got Jarek McKinnon. They, you know what they paid Jarek McKinnon? Like nothing. He was available this, this last offseason. He came back to the Chiefs on a veteran minimum deal. It was a hugely important piece for them. Now, you know, Pacheco kind of came on towards the end of the season. But I guess my point is, the Bills traded for the 12th highest paid running back in the league in Naeem Hines. And he got like three carries. Did he even get three carries? I'm not sure. Maybe he got like four total offensive touches. Now... He was a difference maker in the return game, sure. But that's a team that gets a lot out of guys they don't pay a lot of money to. And the Bills didn't get a lot out of the guys that they paid a lot of they did they didn't play a lot of money to this year. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons that they found themselves short and they fell short because they simply were not getting the contributions from guys, the Ed Olivers, who was cheap until this year, who's gonna now make eleven million dollars guaranteed on the on the fifth-year option. By the way, it, can we? are we allowed to say this, Corey? Can, can we have a quick conversation really quick about Ed Oliver? And, like, is he, a, is, he a, is he like a guy that you would want to trade this se- before the season? Ooh. Oh, boy. Because you're creating another hole at, at an, a position that you already feel like you want to maybe continue investing in. You can invest in that defensive line as it currently stands I'm because s- of what you're paying I'm him. So, I'm so excited to draft another defensive line. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's go. Um, they're bad at it. Like, they have one... They have, Like, their defensive they're not line isn't good. They're drafting defensive line. No. Um, which is hilarious considering the specialty of the coaching staff. Um... Like it's yeah. not their it's not their strong strong. They've been the drafting a lot of defense, and they have not really done a good job of it. Is Tremaine Edmonds better than any defensive lineman outside Von Miller? They have. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because yeah. everybody is has like st- strong opinions on Tremaine there, Edmonds. There are strong opinions about him. But like I, like outside Von Miller, who and it's unknown if he'll ever be the same again. It really is. Um, which I think is the moment the season was lost. By the way, when they lost him. Yeah, uh, that uh, the fact that you don't have anybody there who can haul the mail is a serious problem because nearly all of your competitors do. Yeah, there's usually like that. Chris Jones for the Chiefs, really good. Um, you're everybody around you has got a dude or has attempted to get a dude, and the Bills got a dude and lost him through no fault of their own. Like again, this is not their fault. They didn't make a mistake. They right. lost a dude to injury. It happens. It does happen. That does happen. Get another one. You got to get it. Yeah. And they keep drafting, and they keep not doing it right. They keep like because you're drafting at the bottom end of the rounds, and mm-hmm. it's like, hey, look, this guy might. But so are the Chiefs. They're drafting at the bottom of rounds. No, they don't. They are. You know, I mean, but like at that is at the at the defensive line. 
Like, they drafted a bunch of running backs at the back end of the draft and made it work, and that happens in the league now. But, like, does that work at the defensive line position? Can you draft way deep in the, de- in, in the draft and get a defensive mm-hmm. line that makes a difference? No. Okay, that really. talent has to come from the top. Yeah, usually. Sorry. Yeah. Like, you, they did it. They figured it out. It was Von Miller. But they made it work, and it was taken from them. It was taken from them. But at the same time, like, there are teams, like, how about this, right? The Bills, and I like James Cook, by the way. I, I'm going to just make sure that I say that. I really do like James Cook a lot. The Chiefs got Isaiah Pacheco in that same draft. They got him in the seventh round. I mean, the Bills used a second-round pick on James Cook. Didn't really use him. He didn't start a game. Last season. And the Chiefs, seventh round, get a kid out of Rutgers who might be one of the best young running backs in football right now. So I think it's just understanding the allocation, when to pull the trigger, when not to. And I think the last couple of drafts, the Bills have not done a good enough job. And I think it's really hurt them. It's put them behind the eight ball. That's that can change really quick. The Bills hit have a great draft this year, and they get contributions from. Did the Bills have a good draft last year? Did, did the Bills have a good draft last year? Feels like they. It feels like they did. It's how you use it, baby. They got Christian Benford in the seventh round. Cool. He's might, he might be a nice little decent player for them. They might move him to safety. They're, he might be the guy that ultimately takes over for Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde. I think that's the plan, at least, to see. Yeah. Um, we were told that they had pretty good. Def- they had like there were dudes on their in their safety core that were like, "Hey, these are actually good, and they just don't play." Yeah, but they're good. And Demar then, Hamlin was that. And then they fired the coach, <laughs> which yeah. tells me that they still have high. They think their drafting and scouting was correct, and they were screwing that development uh-huh. up. That has not happened on the defensive line. No, it hasn't. So I wonder what their internal, like, because it's, it's real easy. Fire a defensive line coach if you think you're not getting the play out of it. That's right. Haven't done it. They haven't. So. They must think that they're getting good returns there? Uh-oh. Yeah. That's bad because yeah. it's not enough. No. No, it's not. Because AJ, AJ Epinesa finishes the season with six and a half sacks. Got rid of their wide receivers coach. Boogie Basham's been an unmitigated disaster. I mean. Uh, he's been bad. Has, but, I mean, has he lost them games? No. So he's not a disaster. Nobody, nobody on the defensive line will lose you games. Right. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. But, like, the, you feel the absence, right? Like, Jordan Phillips rocks. They should have never let him go. I love Jordan Phillips. He just, but at the same time, I mean, $11 million, He's he rocks at $2 million. At $11 million is a lot. I mean. I'd like to see him, I'd like to see them bring him back, though. Yeah, so would I, because they got nobody else. Like, he plays with attitude. Like, he plays with, you know, he gets through. You it see him. he was hurt. You see him. It sucked that he was hurt. It does. And a defensive line is a position you see, right? Well, yeah, like, yeah, Especially yeah, 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 the yeah. line play, when something goes wrong, you see it. Uh, but just because of the nature of how the sports broadcast. Like, uh, the def- on the back end, you don't see it on TV. If, yeah. a, if a cornerback is consistently out of position, a safety consistently out of position, you only see it on the replays. Or if you're one of these sicko freaks who watches the tape. Right. Like... The line is there all the time. You see them get to the quarterback. You see them blow. You see them standing with their hands on their hips over their own quarterback who just got pasted. Like it's clear as day when somebody is doing it right on the defensive line. That's why when Ed Oliver was playing well, it was dramatic because he was through. Phillips gets through, man. He was getting through the same rate as Ed Oliver. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'll take Phillips. Yeah. And that's why I think the conversation around would you be open to trading at Oliver? I yeah, think sure. Trade be had. I don't care. Trade anybody. Yeah. Like I'm, I want a I want a Super Bowl. 
Trade them all. Yeah. Do what you got to do, baby. You can't trade Allen. He's do too you, good. Do you, baby. Don't trade Diggs. Way too good. Yep. Everybody else? Yeah, you can trade yeah. Shakir. Who cares? Gabe Davis? Yeah, whatever. Don't care. I do not care. I want a Super Bowl. I think the Ed Oliver trade conversation is twofold in that he's kind of underwhelmed. Someone's going to look. He's still very young. Oh, Someone will look at him and say, oh, we, we get him in our system. He might be great. He might be. And I do not care. Yeah, he might be. If he gets us something. That we do not have. Or that, even if even if that's something we do not have is cap space. Right. What's he going to get you? Cap space, maybe a draft pick? Second? Third? You, maybe another player. Sure. Maybe player for player. Maybe okay. someone who's making similar at a position. I, I viewed draft the Draft another wide receiver you never play. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, you know what my idea was? Was straight up at Oliver for Hunter Renfro. Yeah, I, I mean, okay. McKenzie's got to go. Uh-huh. Mostly because we've seen it, gave him the chance, taking up space. We know what it is. Yeah, we know, we know what it is. We know what it is. If, if his skill set isn't being utilized. No. They don't use him, so what's the point of it? They didn't utilize on offense any of the skills that were when you dominant. watched When you watched the Super Bowl and you watched wide receivers, uh, two touchdowns to Sky Moore and to Kadarius Toney, basically the same play on the other side. Mm-hmm. The little, little run in and then run out. Yep. They used that one time with Isaiah McKenzie this year. Why is Stephon Diggs my slot receiver? Why is there one RPO play that they throw to Stephon Diggs? And then when teams, literally, the Bengals sat on that play two times. Josh Allen basically had to throw the football away on an RPO play because they knew what was coming. I knew what was coming. They had one variation of the RPO, and it was to Diggs. He was lined up. It was the play that that was intercepted on Thanksgiving. That play that Alex Anzalone picks off Josh Allen in the red zone is the dumb RPO play that they that they only have. And everyone said, well, the Billy, he should have hung on to the football longer. I remember on postgame, I got into a yelling match with the guy who told me that he should it was Josh Allen's fault that he should have held on to the football longer. It's an RPO. You can't hold on to the football longer. So, yeah, I mean, that's where we are. Let's go to the phones. Uh, let's go to Matt. Matt, you're on Sports Talk Saturday. Welcome, Matt. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining. No problem. Um, you know, I think, I think uh, what we're seeing is that the Bills are not – the Bills are trying to play the 50-50 where they dedicate like 50% of the, the cap to offense, 50% to defense. And what we're seeing is that the teams that are dedicating – like Kansas City is basically dedicating like 65% to offense and like mm-hmm. 35% to defense um, because the rules are tilted toward offense. Like no matter how good your defense is, it's still going to get basically allow points yeah. against good offensive teams like we've seen. Uh, the Bills, three years in a row, they've had like a top six defense, number one. And what does it matter, you know? Right. And they got smoked all three times. Yeah. In the playoffs. <laughs> right. 49ers got smoked against the Eagles. Eagles get smoked against the Chiefs. Those yep. are like the one and two defenses here. Yep. So the Bills need to stop trying to obsess over defense, except that they can be like 15th in defense and allocate but Matt, money toward offense. Matt, you offense have you line, have a you have a head coach. Receiver. You have a head coach who is a defensive minded head coach. Then he should be able to do more with less. I agree. I I, I, mean, I would agree with you. Yeah. If he's that good, if he's that good of a defensive coordinator, he should be able to get better production from less talent. Tell it on the mountain. <laughs> nah, Matt, you're preaching, man. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying when you when you consider the fact that you have a defensive minded coach, 
there is inherent bias that exists in his brain, right? And he he has, I think, maybe more power than I think from a personnel position standpoint than maybe we know. Now that's me projecting and guessing a little bit, Matt. But I will tell you that they have taken a defensive player every single year, except for when they when they took Josh Allen. I think a lot of that has to do with your head coach being a defensive-minded coach and wanting to pick defensive guys. And I agree yeah. with you, although I agree with you about the point. If you have a defensive-minded coach, you should be able to get more from less. If if he hasn't seen over the last three years how his defense has gotten manhandled in the playoffs and still thinks that that's the way to go, then honestly I don't think we're going to win anything with him here. If he hasn't learned in three years, I mean, how, how long can it keep, keep doing the same thing and banging his head against the wall? Because that's what he's doing, basically. Yeah. Matt, thanks for the call, man. I, I, it's good points. I mean, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. I mean, the offense they have is one of the best in the league. It is. And that has been constructed deliberately. And as much as McDermott is responsible for the defense, it's still his team. Yeah. He doesn't have to have the offense he has they if he doesn't want it. Diggs. Yeah. They got lucky with a fourth-round pick in Gabriel Davis being better than most fourth-round picks. But also, like... Used it, utilized it. Yeah. So, like, as much as as much as I agree a lot with the caller with where McDermott sits with defense and it being his responsibility, I'm the weird one. I think they keep losing because of coaching. Yeah. And that's going to come and get you eventually, and it did. It got you. It got you against the Bengals when they just were completely unprepared. Although I also think you can deal with the circumstances of the entire year having a bigger impact there sure. and the injuries. Yeah. But he also got you killed against the Chiefs twice. Like, yeah. sorry, that's your coach. And he's, you know what? Odds are he'll do it again because that's what happens. It happened. It happened to Andy Reid, and eventually got right. Not in his original destination. No. So like it, it got real bad. And I think, and I tweeted this out. And I know that it wasn't the the, the Eagles lost that fourth consecutive NFC Championship game, and they fired Andy Reid. He got fired like four years after that. After four years of pretty miserable football because he didn't have a quarterback. The Bills do not have to be good. Like, they are now. They have Allen, so we're like, of course everything's going to work. Yeah, Plenty of good quarterbacks have played on bad teams. And they don't win Super Bowls. There's Plenty sh- of great quarterbacks haven't won Super Bowls. Be desperate. Yeah. They should They should be desperate. The window doesn't have to be open. The, the, the Rams were desperate. Do you think that they care that right now they're in a situation where maybe they're not going to be super competitive? Because, <laughs> no, they won a Super Bowl. I would not. They went been. all in. Yeah, go for broke. Traded all of their picks for good players. Yeah, go for broke. Yeah. There's nothing. The, all you, What are you going to do? Lose? Sorry, you look, you've four years, four years down the line when Josh Allen is, you know, starting to creep into his 30s, you're going to look back and say, eh, thank God we didn't trade that first round pick. Thank God we didn't, uh, you know, whatever. Thank God we took Ed, we, we, we re-signed Ed Oliver. I swear to God if they draft a running back. Oh, my God. That, that running back better be on the field 100%, 100% of, the time of the time and lining up at wideout. And just, they won't draft a running back. Just that ball is going into that dude's hands, and he's taking it to house. They won't. Because that's do that. what they need. They won't do that. Score more. They scored a lot of points. Score more. Third round, third round, second round, the last three years. They better not. <laughs> they better not. You know, defensive end and running back, let's run it back. Let's do it. Because it's worked so well. James Cook is fine. He's fine. Cook is led fine. The, led the league in yards per attempt. Or yards per carry. Yeah, he's fine. You know what you need? More wide receivers who are good. Good ones. Yeah, you're going to get a running back. Separators. Get, get, find them. You found Diggs. Find Maybe an the offensive dude. lineman or two. Do the work. Maybe Do an some offensive shoe lineman or two, too. I'm getting angry. Let's get one more call. Let's Sorry. go to Mel and Tonawanda. Mel, you're on Sports Talk Saturday. Welcome. How are you doing? Um, I just want to say I thought Matt was pretty spot on. Um, 
Now, you guys are great. I love you guys. But everyone on GR, maybe it's just me, um, I'm not as versus you guys, but Tremaine Edmonds, like, I watched him in that Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals game, and he just, to me, he looked like he was lost. I mean, it seems like he makes a lot of tackles, but he doesn't make them at the point of attack. It's like he always makes them five, six yards down the field. Not always, but you know what I mean. Sure. And um, I don't know. I just I am not seeing what everyone else sees in the guy. Perhaps I'm wrong, but just if you want to discuss that. Yeah, thanks Thanks for the call, Mel. I, I will say this, and, and we're going to take a time out here because we've got Bruce Nolan coming up here in just a second. It's the it's the conversation around Edmonds that makes it so hard, right? Because Mel mentions there, you know, he makes a lot of tackles five, six yards down the field. It's where linebackers mostly line up. And that what I think what you're talking about is it's a result of defensive line. Because if they make it through your D line, a running back, and your linebacker is tackling him and catching him, which is what Edmonds does a lot. Edmonds, I thought, had his best year this year because he had a really good interior defensive lineman in Daquan Jones. A really, really good one. And I think it opened him up to do some things. He is one of the most unique middle linebackers in football as it pertains to pass coverage. There are not many guys that can cover the ground Tremaine Edmonds had. If you don't believe me, go back to that game that they didn't they didn't have him and they were playing Tyrell Dotson. It wasn't good. Nope. So they're going to miss Edmonds. I also believe they're not going to be re-signing Tremaine Edmonds. We'll talk about more of this because I think it's an interesting conversation with my guy Bruce Nolan of Buffalo Rumblings in the Bruce Exclusive Podcast. He's coming up next year. This is Sports Talk Saturday. Don't go anywhere on WGR. All the sports, news, music, news, and podcasts you want are all on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Brought to you by... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic, the step back three, you bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. I value home centers for the do-it-yourselfer in you. Happy 1235 to you all. Let me be the first to wish you 
such a time. Joining me on the Western Hotline, a friend, a pal, former colleague, current friend, though, really good guy, generally... You're doing great. Silky, smooth speaker. Uh, great with... Um, Cross Sunday newspaper crossword puzzles and someone that you would for sure want to be the face of your business and or franchise. It's Bruce Nolan. Bruce Nolan here on the Western Highland, everybody. Welcome in, Bruce. You know, despite your best efforts with that introduction, <laughs> I feel like the the players call the Western Hotline, the coaches call the Western Hotline, the insiders call the Western Hotline, and then here's Bruce. I feel like that's still inevitably a letdown, <laughs> even after you did your best. <laughs> So you're saying you're not an insider? Would you say no, that you're I'm an outsider? outsider. Yes, an outsider. Yeah, I'm gonna. We're gonna get that uh, that promotion changed. The insiders, the outsiders, call the Western Hotline. Right. That's all right. You're you're uh, you're a very handsome, very successful outsider. So that's all that matters, Bruce. And I don't care who knows it, um, Bruce. You know what we were talking about today? Take a guess. What were we talking about today? Well, take, just take a guess. Take, take a guess. What You know me. What do you think that I was talking about today? This is my first time since the Bengals game that I've been on this show, by the way. So I've had some time to decompress, talk about a little bit. Yeah, well, what I was talking about today, Bruce, was 13 seconds. Because, I mean, you know, that's what you do when you're a very sane, very, um, sure. you know, uh, calculated person with a, with a functioning brain. You want to talk about things that happened two years ago. Um, so that's what I was doing. And then Corey and I were talking a little bit. Just about the makeup of this team and how this team has drafted and, and whom they've drafted and how they've prioritized. We had a great call come in and say, you know, when you're the Bills and you have a defensive-minded head coach and you have someone like Leslie Frazier, who is a very accomplished defensive coordinator in the NFL, I think the idea would be that you are putting less into your defense and expecting more because of how good of coaches they are. and They'll be able to get more from less and that they really should be investing more into the offense. This this organization really invests about 50-50 offense, the defense, when he seemed to think, the caller, that the really good teams are investing you know, 60% into the offense, 65% of the offense, and sort of letting the rest handle on the defensive side of the ball. Where do you fall? in this conversation, and do you believe right now with how this organization, how this roster is constructed, that investing 50-50 down the middle is the best way to get the most of this window with the quarterback like Josh Allen? I think there's two things to consider here. The first one is that I think the best way to go about determining asset expenditure when it boils down to this is guaranteed money per year and free agent contacts, and then use the draft pick capital whether it's a Jimmy Johnson system or a Rich Hill system or whatever you want to use, to use the points that were expended at each side of the ball. I think that's the way to do it. I actually came up with that concept yesterday. I was like, hey, I have a good idea for a podcast. I think I'm going to go ahead and do that. And it's ironic that you brought it up today when I haven't done the research. I don't have the results yet. But I think that's the best way to go about outlining what the expenditure actually looks like, whether it's 50-50, whether it's 55-45 or 60-40. But – I think going back to the philosophy, it's what do you think the coach and the general manager thinks a good team looks like, right? And so when you go back to the good teams that Sean McDermott had, the best team that Sean McDermott's been a part of, Mm -hmm. arguably, is the Carolina Panthers losing the Super Bowl 2015, yeah. And that team, you know, had Ted Ginn as their top wide receiver option and so and they had cam newton carrying the banner and they had a a fairly decent offensive line good strong running game and a great defense that was linebacker centric so i think that even
even though we have established that Sean McDermott pushes back against a lot of defensive-minded head coach tropes, which is that he's going to be conservative in-game. I think it's been pretty well established that Sean McDermott is not conservative in-game as a general rule. Now, there may be individual decisions that we don't like. Sure, in a vacuum. Right. Overall, he's not a conservative in-game managing coach, which I think people have a tendency to kind of ascribe to defensive-minded head coaches. But Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have seen their version of successful teams. What does that look like? And that's where that whole growth mindset thing that Sean McDermott is always preaching, that Brandon Bean actually brought up in his press conference after the year this year about having to keep growing. We know the most successful team they've been a part of was built a certain way. What we have to hope at this point is that they're taking stock in the way that the NFL has changed since 2015 and the way that sustained success comes because that Carolina Panthers team did not see sustained success. They didn't see that. They saw a really good year with an MVP caliber quarterback, and then they didn't get back to meaningful NFC playoff games before or since. So I think that when you look at Sean McDermott and you just hope that the things that are coming out of his mouth and the things that are coming out of Brandon Bean's mouth actually follow through with the, okay, hey, I know that this is the version of success we've seen, but it's not just about what I saw eight years ago. It's also about what the NFL is doing right now. And you look at the way that the Chiefs have rebuilt, and you look at the way the Eagles are built and things like that, and you go, okay, I think that maybe there's another way to do this, and that's where that growth mindset hopefully comes into play. Bruce Nolan here of the Bruce Exclusive Podcast on Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Joining me on the Western Hotline, we're talking Bills roster construction. I got the feeling we'll be doing this for a little while longer, huh, Bruce? A couple more weeks, a couple more months, the draft, free agency. Free agency is actually quite close. It's the first sort of benchmark of an NFL season. And, you know, one of the things that Corey and I were talking about were something that I think the NFL needs to maybe get with in terms of I don't know, you look at the other sports leagues, right? You look at stars constantly moving. And, and and maybe I want to look specifically at the NBA. The NBA is the best example of this. Stars that all of a sudden they, they go to, they force their way out of one city to go to another city, and three years later they force their way out of that city to go to another city. And, like, there's just a lot of player movement, a lot of trades, a lot of player-for-player player trades, not just player for draft capital or player for, you know, whatever, future considerations and stuff like that. The NFL doesn't have a lot of that, not even in this part of the offseason where you're seeing even a, even in a guy that maybe it made the most sense was going to get traded, Derek Carr, is actually going to end up getting cut. Well, already has gotten cut, is now meeting with teams um, across the NFL, and he's going to go sort of on his free agent tour. And I just wonder, like, if this was a league that, that would trade more, that it, with more frequency— and maybe a lot of it, too, Bruce, is the way that the salary cap is, is structured. And when you trade a player, you end up suing a lot of dead cap money. And maybe that's part of the reason you don't see a lot of trades. But I view like this team as maybe needing a trade. Maybe if there's one roster in football that could really use a shakeup and a shakeup by, by, by means of a trade, man, doesn't it feel like the Bills are maybe that team? I agree with you the fact that the contract structure and the salary cap are the reasons you don't see those things in the NFL as much. When you have a fully guaranteed deal, then you're going to pay them the same way. You need someone to take that money from you. And so that's where this trade comes. That's where you actually offload expiring contracts. And that's why it becomes such a valuable asset in the NBA. Say, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting expired contracts so I can clear up money 
by trading away things and trading for things that will help me get money. And so the hard cap and the non-fully guaranteed deals are what makes trades less frequent in the NFL. But as far as the trading for someone, I think that anytime you're in a window, which I think the Buffalo Bills are in a window, trading becomes a thing that matters more. I think the Eagles looked out and said, hey, you know what? Um, We're in a window here. We have a quarterback we like in an offensive system that we like, and we have Devontae Smith. And I really feel like if we really want to go from the 23rd ranked passing attack to like the top 10 ranked passing attack, I think we need another weapon. But I don't really want to surround a player that I think might still be developing in Jalen Hurts with another developing player. I want to isolate the variable. And so I want to go ahead and trade. Now, the variable has been isolated with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a, a certified star in the, in the NFL. But if you're going to go out and make a trade – now is the type of time that you do it. Yeah. You do it because you think you're in a window and you don't want to wait around. Now, you have to balance that against the idea that you're trading for players intrinsically makes them more expensive because you're not trading for a player who just got drafted. Every single trade you do is a player that is closer to getting big money or is already on big money relative to using that same level of asset on a player. So you have to balance the idea that you're in a window – and you want to trade for a veteran with the idea that any veteran you trade is just intrinsically going to be more expensive, right? Trading for Christian McCaffrey is always going to be more expensive than using that same asset on a running back, even if you want the same one. Now we can argue till the, you know, cows come home about the wisdom of spending uh, any sort of capital net site on a running back, but you have to balance those two concepts. So if the Bills, Buffalo Bills are looking for a wide receiver, for example, I know DeAndre Hopkins' name has been kicked around a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a balance you got to do. I mean, now you have two wide receivers who are both going to make big money, which right now in the NFL, that doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. Every team has one guy making big money and one guy not. So I know that has been kicked around, but that, that's pushing it out into really unprecedented levels if you trade for a player like DeAndre Hopkins. And also – they're both right around 30. DeAndre Hopkins is already 30. Yep. 30 is a number for teams where they start to get a little bit nervous about skill position players. So, yes, this team could use a shakeup for a trade. Yes, that helps you when you're in a window. That has to be balanced against the idea that you're already a little bit in debt when it comes to calf. You're going farther into that or you're getting closer to being on the ledge when you trade for a vet. Yeah, and like I think the guy I isolated as maybe the guy that makes the most sense. If you are looking to it and, and Bruce, I think the idea of a trade shouldn't just be posed as like you trading for someone, but also maybe posed as an option to create cap space. And I and I view a guy like Ed Oliver in this in this light, or swapping cap space and using a guy with a similar salary in ele- about eleven million dollars is what you'll play on his fifth year option this year, and which is fully guaranteed. So a trade of Ed Oliver is viable because you are literally moving that $11 million off the books and swapping it potentially for another player with a similar salary or a player at a reduced salary or just freedom and cap space. And maybe you trade him for a draft pick this year, a third rounder, a second rounder, whatever it might be, and you use that move to create cap space. And maybe that move goes towards re-signing a Tremaine Edmonds or a Jordan Poyer. But 
I guess part of the conversation around the quote-unquote trade here, Bruce, isn't just, hey, the Bills should trade for DeAndre Hopkins, but also here's an option of creating some cap space in a, on a team and on a roster right now that might need to find some. I agree with that. I think the one of the things that's been kicked around a little bit is the Ed Oliver for Hunter Renfro concept because Josh oh, yeah. McDaniels has a history of going to a franchise and kind of trading away players. Now, you might say, well, they just signed Hunter Renfro. Well, they just signed Derek Carr, too. So, you know, there is that. So it is, it is, a, it is a, a thing that's been kicked around a little bit. I know that I'd personally rather have Hunter Renfro than Ed Oliver based on the way that this offense runs much more smoothly with a slot option that you can trust. But I really wish – I just find myself really wishing Elijah Moore wasn't a Jet. That's what I find myself wishing. Continually over and over again, I find myself wishing Elijah Moore wasn't a Jet so that I could pound the table – for trying to make an unhappy player happy again, because I absolutely love the idea of having Stephon Diggs being your primary outside receiver and having Elijah Moore being your primary slot. Absolutely love it. But I think that when you have players that you invest significantly in with draft capital and you hold on to them, they get at to be a point where their expenditure no longer lines up with their production. And Ed Oliver is a perfectly fine player. Ed Oliver's not a bad player, but do I want to pay Ed Oliver $11 million guaranteed this year and then also potentially franchise him next year or lose him for nothing? Then the idea of trading him away starts to come into play, right? Tremaine Edmonds was in the same situation last year, though I think Tremaine Edmonds has been better overall than Ed Oliver has during his career as a Buffalo Bill. But that's where this not hitting home runs puts you in this weird thing. When you start hitting singles and doubles, but you're, you're paying your singles and doubles like they were home runs because they're playing on a fifth-year option, that's when it becomes really weird because you're not getting that surplus value that you get where you have a really, really, really good player on a markedly cheaper contract than they would get in the free market. Instead, you're getting an okay player at a slightly more expensive contract than they would probably get on the open market. And so that creates a very strange value proposition where you're not really constantly positive because there's nothing more positive than hitting on a draft pick. And so that creates a situation like you just talked about, where maybe you want to trade them away and get a little bit, because you're not getting surplus value. And if you're not getting surplus value for them, maybe you're better off recouping some value for them. Well, Bruce, what an interesting conversation. I'm sure you and I will have a few more of these as we head into uh, what is expected to be another really fun and enjoyable offseason. I do love these offseasons. I love you know, draft talk. I love the the free agent talk about what you might or might not want to do. And um, yeah, I'm excited to do it with you, buddy. Thanks again, as always, for joining me on your weekend, on your Saturday. Um, tell the folks, so you got, what do you got coming up uh, over at Buffalo Rumblings? Any uh, Anything fun? Well, next week, I'm going to do the podcast on Thursday on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. That's going to be about expenditure. It's going to be about actually outlining the expenditures that have been made on specific positions in offense and defense using the metrics that I just outlined with you earlier this conversation, using the draft points and saying, okay, how much did they spend on this? How much did they spend on that? And then what kind of return are you getting? So I'm excited about that. I always have an article every week on buffalorumblings.com, and you can find me on social media at Bruce Exclusive. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate you, buddy. Enjoy your weekend. Catch you later. Bruce Nolan on a Western Hotline. The Outsiders call the Western Hotline, and that is Bruce Nolan. Uh, there for you. We're going to take a time out. I got Jeff Metis at the top of the hour. Uh, Jeff is one of the um, contributing members of T to Green, which you'll be able to hear starting next week. 
the first tee to green here on WGR will kick off uh, right around 7 a.m. So Jeff's going to join us at the top of next hour. Talk about the Genesis Tiger teeing off here in about 20 minutes. That's coming up next here on WGR. Miss Sabres Live with Brian Duff and Marty Biron? No problem. Rewind up to 24 hours with Odyssey Rewind. Download the Odyssey app, select WGR, and go back in time. Driven by Northtown Automotive. Shop online at northtownauto.com. Did you know that you can now listen to all your favorite teams, station shows, and even podcasts all on the free Odyssey app? Download it today. All right, you know the drill. We just don't, we don't really even like this segment. It's just used as filler. It's, I, I, feel, I feel badly about it. I don't feel good that I don't really give this segment its, its due. I'm not even pulling the bed down. No, nor should you. Because Jeff Metis joins us next. We're going to talk about the Genesis. Tiger Woods, one twelve tee time. He ends up making the cut at plus one. And uh, we'll talk to Jeff about Tiger, about Rory, about the field. And it's almost major golf time. That's all coming what up next year. the Genesis what? Open was about Phil Collins? I think maybe there'd be better TV ratings. I agree. Maybe there's a way to mix Genesis in the Genesis. That's a Peter Gabriel question. We'll talk to Peter Gabriel next year on WGR. Miss the Extra Point Show? No problem. Rewind up to 24 hours with Odyssey Rewind. Download the Odyssey app. Select WGR and go back in time. Driven by Northtown Automotive. Shop online at northtownauto.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.